Welcome to the Clientele Podcast brought to you by WP Care Market, where our mission is to bridge the gap in communication between website professionals and their clients to better the website services, relationships, and restore trust. On each episode of the podcast, we will bring you a web pro and a client to give different perspectives on the conversation so we learn and grow from one another. On the web pro side, let me welcome back Mr. Mike Killen of Sell Your Service, who is a, a YouTube sensation. And by YouTube sensation, I mean he's made a few YouTube videos. Yeah, a bunch of YouTube videos, some of which are quite good. <laughs> They're sensational. <laughs> That's exactly it. I'm going to take that or cut that out and put that in. That's good. I like that. <laughs> an endorsement. I do yeah. not endorse uh, Mike Killen on YouTube. Mm, yeah. No, I do. Uh, and on the uh, client side, I am happy to welcome back Todd Shays of Queen Bee Salon and Spa, as well as these amazing Queen Bee Salon and Spa products. They have uh, locations in the Los Angeles area and Washington State, probably expanding as we speak, as well as some great products that you can buy online. Thank you, Todd, for joining us again as we, as we talk a new topic on this podcast. Yes, thank you. So our topic is Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, if you don't have an online presence anymore, you kind of don't exist. You're like a ghost. Uh, that's the, the theme of this. It's basically what you need online now in order to exist in the world. So um, I make fun of my husband all the time because he literally has no social media presence whatsoever. He mm-hmm. well, he has no none whatsoever. <laughs> He's literally like a ghost online. You just if he didn't have a picture on LinkedIn, you just no one would know he existed. But he at least has that. So. I, <laughs> um, so he's just, yeah, he's not with it. But as we talk about websites and our clients, you know, people, especially people coming with new ideas to market, we, we talk about how do we get our presence online? How do we get flesh and bone, if you want to say, you know, with the Ghostbuster reference? How do we flesh out some, some, some important items? Um, and I'll actually start with Mike this time. You know, Mike, what are some things that, that a business must have online in order mm. to, for lack of a better word, exist? Yeah. So my, my kind of coach and mentor, Daniel Priestley, who wrote a book called Oversubscribed and he wrote, um, he wrote, which actually is, is, is a good book for kind of like service-based businesses like, um, Queen Bee, as well as, um, a bunch of other stuff like 24 assets. And, um, he basically says you are who Google says you are. I think I mentioned that on like another podcast. If I Google you and you come up as X, Y, Z or not at all, as far as I'm concerned, you don't come up like that's it. And the problem is, again, it's at a kind of a level of business maturity. If I have a conversation with a customer and I'm like, you, you want to increase whatever it is, sales, revenue, bookings, leads, appointments, presentations, whatever the thing is that you want to start booking for. Have you told the rest of the world that that's what you're, that you want to do? Is that the, the content you put out there? Are those the adverts you put out there? Are you constantly emailing people? Are you networking? You know, presumably like Todd, you might talk about this. You didn't start with three locations and a product line. You know, it, it grew over time, but only because you were clear on what the end goal was. It's less a case of where do I want to be? And you need to start with like, well, what do you want to be seen for and known for? The rest of it comes super easily. Yeah, it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. But until you're really clear on, I want to be seen as the world's top UK sales, uh, the world's world's top sales coach or, or for funnel builders or whatever it is. Okay, great. 
but until you know that part of it, it doesn't actually matter where else you are. But realistically speaking, if people are searching for you and they can't find you, you don't exist at all. And so Todd, you've taken quite a few different ideas and businesses online. Where do you start when you want to start fleshing out that online presence? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, I, I completely agree with Mike, what Mike just said. It, it, it's the notion of perception is reality. So mm-hmm. if Google, you know, if, if Google says you don't exist, then it doesn't matter if you really exist. I, I recently was looking for a restaurant that opened maybe two months ago that has quite a buzz around it. They didn't have a website. Mm-hmm. They hadn't claimed their, their page on, on Yelp. You know, LA is still a big Yelp city. And, and I was like, really? I, and it made me question you know, even though it's a known chef, I thought, really, are they really legitimate? They don't even have a website out yet. You know, you had to look at some third party listing Grubhub or one of these delivery services yeah. to see what their menu was. And so uh, our our objective has always been to kind of get out there and, uh, you know, have a website that does what we're all about and that you know makes it easy for our clients to do what we want them to do, which is to find mm-hmm. out about who we are, what we do you know, who, who, what, who, what service providers can provide the services and then make it easy for them to book. And we've improved that with different iterations of the website through the years. And it's, it's in a pretty good place right now, I think. And um, what you've done, which, um, which I think is always wise too, is, you know, when you've had new ideas or a new type of version of what you're putting out there, you'll use the existing website to put up a landing page for that and, and take the domain name and, and point it to that. So there's no pressure to build something from scratch or a brand new website, but real quickly get a landing page up using the existing site to point the domain there. That's true. In fact, we had, uh, you know, with, with one of our um, products called buzz off bumps, we didn't yet know what our parent brand for the, for this, our overall skincare product line was even going to be. So we just said, all right, well, we're going to put the URL on the label. We're going to call it buzzoffbumps.com. And then, but we didn't quite know what it was going to be yet. And we actually started building buzzoffbumps.com about that one specific product. And then we said, oh, well, we're going to be Queen Bee Skincare. Of course, we're Queen Bee. But in the meantime, buzzoffbumps.com, you know, redirected to the to the product page on the store on our salon and spa website. So that's, that's right. We kind of just point stuff where we need to until we know what we're going to do. Right. Because you were hoping too, that if someone you know, heard and just Googled buzz off bumps that you would send them to the right place that you would give them the right right conversation. So, so with that now we've got like Google business, you were talking about that in the other podcast about setting up your Google business presence. Is there any other business? So you, you mentioned Yelp listings, what other like business presence things do you have to think of when you, when you were taking an idea online, especially for like a, a, a business that may have operating hours and, and things like that. Is it, is it there are, business listings? Is it the only one? I there mean, are, no, there are so many. And, and I, you know, <laughs> I used to handle them. There are so many. I used to handle them by hand. And, and uh, as I did mention in another pro- podcast, I found a, a, a service that their whole thing, and they've become an authoritative distributor to so many sites so that we can publish there and their, their content will be taken in some cases immediately by the, the larger sites. So they're an aggregator or whatever they are. Um, and when you go on there, they show 500, you know, services you've never heard of, but some of them are relevant. There's yellowpages.com. They publish your store hours and your location. And some people might end up finding you there. Bing is still relevant in certain searches. Mm. You know, our Yelp profile is what shows up on Bing. So if someone does end up, you know, maybe they're using the default search engine on, on, uh, Microsoft edge and they haven't mm. changed it. They're going to end up on Bing. They're going to see our Yelp listings. I'd better make sure that's current and correct. 
So I, you know, I now will, will publish everything through, um, through Yext, but I know for sure it will update our Facebook. It updates our Foursquare pages, mm. you know, which is Foursquare obviously used to be more relevant for people mm. checking in and it was gamified, but they still are a, I believe the company Foursquare is a, a major uh, content provider mm. um, to, to sources across the internet. So we want to make sure that that's current. Um, I would always update uh, Apple Maps directly you know, and that our, our location is correct, the hours are correct, um, that the link to our website is correct. We actually syndicate our menu for our two LA stores using a service called Single Platform, where there's actually a, uh, a structured menu, and that gets fully integrated into Yelp. So as people might mention a specific service, it links to the menu on Single Platform. You know, in a perfect world, I would have everybody link to the, the menu on our website, but that's mm. just not how it currently mm. works. Mm -hmm. So we have found it to be relevant. It does mean we have to be careful because there are more things now to update. If we change our price <laughs> or adjust the menu, yeah. I got to make sure our website, which is the authoritative thing, is correct, but also the syndicated menu is correct. We've yeah. had clients, you know, send us angry emails that they tried to come in at 7.30 p.m. And, you know, we were closed at 5 that particular day and our website had been updated for two months, but we mm. forgot to update some stupid listing thing. This is before I used Yext. And they're like, it said you were open. And they're mad at us because some listing service had the wrong hours on it. So we really have decided we need to be responsible for what our content is. Wow, that's such good insight, Todd. Um, that's uh, that's awesome. And that helps a lot of people listening yeah. to, you know, I'm going to again link to that service in the in the description. Well, Mike, what about social? Do, mm. do you have to have... <laughs> Twitter and Instagram and Facebook yeah. and, you know, Pinterest. that's only the, the Pinterest, Pinterest, everything yeah. under the sun. Do you have to have that? Yeah. And this is kind of uh, like a, a couple of months ago, I like I had a borderline nervous breakdown because I was just kind of not that dissimilar to Todd. Like I was just updating everything everywhere all the time. I was like, I'm going to do my Instagram story. And I had an Instagram person, right? So who was supposed to take that off my plate? Um, I had a YouTube team who was supposed to take that off my plate and a Facebook team who was supposed to take that off my plate and a Twitter person and a LinkedIn person and a blog person uh, and an email person. So I had all these people that were supposed to take this stuff off my plate. And the, the kind of the advice that I was given was like, if you could just grow one area, if you could just grow one audience, where would it be? And I was like, my email list. I'm like, cool, let's just do that then. What's the best way to grow your email list? And I was like, well, I like producing videos and I like writing. I think it's bullshit personally that you have to be on all these different platforms. There's a big difference between being on a third party platform and then kind of being on your own turf. Like that's why I want to grow my email list because it's it's mine. If YouTube all of a sudden decides that I have to pay as a content creator mm. to do it without advertising, yeah. that's a huge, and Facebook, we see this all the time. This is, I think last time we kind of talked about, you know, content creation and stuff like this. We constantly see people who will create content on YouTube, for example, they'll know it ranks well, they'll know they got a lot of viewers, but as soon as YouTube changes their terms of service, they don't have a business anymore, right? Right. So we see that all Which the time. Which kind of happened a year, a little over a year ago. It happened twice in the past two years with the yeah. adpocalypse and the second adpocalypse, right? Uh, <laughs> Snapchat massively changed. Snapchat's changed its business model massively, right? People are really now um, struggling to use it so that people are kind of switching over to all these other platforms. I think it's less a case of let's get everywhere. And a lot of these big entrepreneurs, Gary Vee is a really good example of this. People forget he has a media team of 25 people for him, 
not for his business, for him. So of course he's got content everywhere because he's got a team of people running around, cutting everything up and snapping it and, and pushing all this stuff over the place. But as a business, as, as a most likely businesses under $10 million in revenue a year, you need to focus on one or two core areas that you think, I like doing this. I want to do it regularly. I want to do it repeatedly, take the pressure off. Um, and that's where, you know, I think it's more about consistency, like doing it once a week as opposed to mm. having like the best thing for a while. People tell me the opposite. People tell everyone the opposite each time. But no, don't to be everywhere all the time, man. It's just, well, not that dissimilar to opening a, a physical location. If you open to 10 locations at once, you better sure as hell have a thousand locations previously. Otherwise, you're just going to, it's going to die. It's, it's, it's too much to take on. So if someone wasn't updating Twitter, cause they're like, okay, you know what? Instagram's our thing. Uh, that's where we want to focus. That's where we want to grow, but they have a Twitter account. Mm. Do they just keep it dead? I mean, like if someone, meaning I get this kind I of, ask Todd this. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, like if someone goes there and they're like, Oh, let's find, okay. So their Twitter tweet little bird is on their site so they click to it and they see the last tweet was from two years ago mm. you know like that's the kind of thing of should they just kill it so that it doesn't even look outdated and just only have instagram and facebook on the site because those are their chosen platforms i know what i would do what would you do then i'm going to tell you what i would do and then you can tell me how wrong i am uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah let's do that let's do that so, so the client will say what he does and then the the uh, highly paid professional can <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. So, Moderately paid professional. Uh, part mm -hmm. of our view there is we decided in our business, Instagram is going to be the king or the queen. Mm -hmm. um, and that that will then feed Facebook. Uh, now, as you said, the business model keep changing. A few years ago on Facebook, as we had followers, every post we did went in front of everyone who followed us. It was brilliant. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe not good for Facebook's business because it was a lot of free promotion for us. So now that, you know, a tiny fraction of uh, viewers actually see our content on Facebook. Instagram, mm -hmm. we find, is still reaching the most people. But we feed it to Facebook. I believe we also feed that same content over to Twitter because you can use these services that will basically push it. It's really not ideal because it's mm -hmm. not Twitter content, but it's better than letting the page die. And that was our whole thing. We don't want it to be. I've seen... Um, you know, in another podcast, we were talking about um, blogs, but one of my pet peeves, you go on a website and you see the major headline says blog and you go click on it. That's like the last blog was from 2016. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, well, they tried to blog for a while and then it died and it just looks dumb. So our yep. view has been, we'll just feed content that's not optimized for Twitter and we'll just have it feed the page. Mm -hmm. um, in the old days, um, Listen to us talking about modern technology like it was the old days. But in the old <laughs> days, we, we used Twitter differently. We used Twitter as our last-minute specials platform. So our Twitter followers would know if you, you, know, you want to get in last minute, we have an opening. That was where we distributed it. But we've gotten away from that for some reason that you'll now advise me was wrong. So go ahead. Yeah, so here's my 15-point <laughs> list on what we could – no, right. Actually, you're not, you're not that far off, okay? So okay, here's okay, – good. Okay, so here's, here's how this has been um, demonstrated to me. If you owned, again, I love the fact that we're talking to someone who actually owns a physical retail, like locations, because I get to so rarely talk to people like that. If you had a building 
that you owned, but you couldn't do any business out of. You absolutely couldn't do any business out of. The absolute most that you could do was to put content in there or advertise or something in there to point people. A bit like um, some of the like Samsung or, or Apple experience shops. You can't actually buy anything in there, but you just have products. You would just put stuff in there, signposting people to where they could go. Twitter's a great example of this. I don't know why human beings have this idea that we're like running out of internet or something. If I have a Twitter profile, I'm just going to put, and I'm not, I know I'm not going to publish stuff to that. I'm just going to put one pinned tweet right at the top and my bio and the header image saying, hey, we don't use this. You should check out our YouTube, our Instagram or wherever we go and give links to that. I want to make sure that it's a storefront and people use that term all the time. I don't think people really understand what like real estate in the internet is. It's free. I don't have to pay for that. Like to get 30,000 people seeing in, in an entire lifetime, one square foot of retail space in like London is crazy amounts of money, but I can have it for an infinite number of people on the internet and say, Hey, you found our profile, full disclosure. We don't use this. Go ahead and check out our other places. It's the same with YouTube. It's the same with Facebook. It doesn't matter what the platform is. If you want to focus and you're right, nailing Instagram is, is clearly the place to go because it does video. It does you, it does, um, images. You can even do text on there and stuff. But if people find other profiles, you just say, hey, we don't use this. Go ahead and check out this other place. If you had to do that with a store location, that's what you would do. So in my opinion, why not do that otherwise? I hate the blog thing as well when they're like, people have two blog posts. They have one, which is like, we're live. Our blog is finally <laughs> launched. And yeah. the second blog post, which is the first one, which is usually like the five top mistakes that people do when dot, 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 our industry, whatever that is. And then they leave it, right? So yeah, get rid of that. That's garbage. If you're not going to do it, don't commit to it. Yeah, and then the problem is you start getting people coming through your contact form saying, we will blog for you, pay us. So then I'm like, Uh, we get that all the time. All the time, right? Yeah. Actually, you're getting my emails already, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and to to your point about platforms changing, this is the the latest thing is that the the SaaS platform or the social platform is now realizing that just having a user count doesn't create income and revenue. Mm. And so it it is shifting and rightfully so it costs a lot of money to develop these things. It it makes sense. So, you know, meetup is a great example. Meetup was a way that you could create meetups and people could come and meet up. And now meetup is charging a dollar for every RSVP. Oh, heck no. So exactly right, and people are like, "Wait a minute! I've been using this for free forever." So anyone who who really put all their eggs in the basket that weren't a nonprofit because it's 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 waived for nonprofits that wasn't a nonprofit are now going to have to reevaluate if they put all their eggs in that basket. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to think about these free services that way. If yeah. this converted to a pay-to-play model, would we stick around? And what is our, you know, what is our plan B? And, you know, a good example of that was um, our client dashboards were on a platform called Scythe. Yep. And, you know, it was very little for us to, to pay to have that. And then they completely changed their model, which, which 10X'd the amount we were going to pay for it. Yeah. So great thing is we were, we were able to find a plan B for that. But, but, you know, that's where you have to think about this. You know, if you are a YouTuber and you're making money off of YouTube and that's what you do... You know, what's your exit plan if that doesn't Facebook happen? would be doing me a favor if they said all groups you've got to pay for now. I'd be like, I, I, yes. I can justify why I don't have to use you anymore. I'll <laughs> see you on YouTube and on my email list. Because that's, that's where I want people. And 
I'm kind of, I actually don't really care where other people are. Everyone's like, go where your audience is. I personally don't believe that's true. Everyone is everywhere. I like to write and I like to shoot video. So I want to connect with people who like to engage with video about sales content. It's niching it down. Other people are going to focus on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Great. Your content output that you create is part of that niche that you do. So yeah, I, if anything, I'd be happy that people started like cutting some of these <laughs> services back because it would just mean like, all right, well, I won't use you then. Right. And, yeah. and, and Instagram made the big change with influencers where influencers yeah. were getting paid to, to, you know, to talk about products based on the uh, clicks of the, the likes. Right. And they're changing that to take away that monetization. Well, we Thank did like, we, well, we bought a ton of followers, like tens of thousands of followers. And almost overnight I was offered, and it was only as a test because it was like, it was not for a marketing thing. Overnight we were offered, this was about a year ago, um, advertising and sponsorship opportunities. And I was like, you are going to get fired by your manager because you have reached out to me. I have bought all of this engagement and I'm going to get one 5,000 pound pound package to promote it. And your, your, your manager's going to be like, you spent five grand, but this guy hasn't, this company, they haven't, they haven't got any goddamn followers or engagement. Where's the, where's the feedback? I'm like, yeah, but we measured it by the followers and the number of likes they've got. I'm like, it's bought. It's, it's fake. It's fake. Perception yeah. is reality, right? So yeah, it should change. And this is the problem when you start hiring 22-year-olds to do social media because their CMOs and CTOs don't know what to do. Here we go. We can get into the bad cop stuff now. This is the problem <laughs> when you start hiring people who don't have real-life business experience, who don't understand what a sales process is or a marketing process, who go, oh, but they've got a lot of followers. Who cares? Who cares how many followers they've got? What can you physically give me in return that's going to be worthwhile any of that engagement? So yeah, I'm glad that it's changing because it's frankly punching a lot of people in the mouth who need to have like a rough business experience and, and kind of toughen up a little bit. Sorry about that. That was, that was really good. No, no. <laughs> so that, was, that was a great rant. You should, uh, oh, did you just drop your mic? Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking away, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, drop, mic drop. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm so happy to see the influence just in change as well. We have, a, we have, it's calmed down, but a couple of years ago, we were getting people all the time contacting us, reaching out to us. Oh, I'm an influencer. I have, you know, 8,000 followers. Can I, I'm going to come in and get, give me a free facial and I'll blog about it. We're thinking, no, 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 you can come in and get a facial and blog about it. But you know, it's $85 because <laughs> why? Because why? You know, what are we really going to get out of it? It kind yeah. of takes, takes advantage of that partnership model. When I have a tool or a platform that I love, I will promote it even for free. Like I don't even care about the affiliate mm. stuff. We talked about that, I, yeah. Yeah, we did. Because I want to just talk about it and engage with it and, and show them that I love them. And yeah, nine times out of 10, I get some kind of reward some way down the line. And people jump on, and YouTube did this and, and all the YouTubers, they jumped on this and you know they were like, well, I'm just going to build up a ton of views through doing like prank videos and stuff. Or wouldn't you know it, I'm a good looking 19 year old girl who does a, a little bit of weightlifting so I can take photos of myself with my butt exposed on with a bikini and stuff. I'm going to get a ton of followers Turns out that that's not much of an audience because people aren't engaging with you on a long-term basis. And, you know, it's, it's insane to me the, um, not selfishness, the entitledness of an entire like business sector who thinks that you should give me free stuff because I want to push it out to a bunch of people who follow me. It's unbelievable that people think that's a sustainable business model. It's, it's insane. Well, and the more that that happens, the more you're going to see things change. And that's kind of goes back to our previous podcast about why things are constantly changing because yep. people are trying to rig the system in different ways, whether it's it, it, disingenuously so, you yep. know, someone's not a legitimate business just ha with a legitimate offer 
yep. of like in Todd's case, and we have legit services at a le- legit location. If you're mm. interested, come by. And, and yep. that's the conversation most people want to hear. So, you know, it's all changing. And, and, the, and in the case of an online presence, to go back to like the Ghostbuster thing, I think the best takeaway and the advice here is, is, is to you know, do the major things that you need to do with, with the, the business listing, as Todd was talking about. And then on the social side, kind of choosing the right platform for your audience and putting up those, those storefront signs for the places that may not, may not exist. Um, because it, it is going to continually, continually change. And the best thing to do is, is to listen to podcasts like these to figure out what changed. <laughs> yeah. And you know, one of the, the uh, just final thoughts on what is important to us is, is two things, two thoughts is one is, we've never decided to be cheap about our hosting. Mm. You know, it's, you know, we, we, you know, we're right now with WP engine. They're, they're phenomenal. Mm. Um, and when things go wrong, they're, they're on top of it because I want my site to always work. And if for some great reason we get, you know, some PR or some press, I want it to handle whatever load comes our way. I don't want it to ever break. I can't because our clients book services there. If our booking form is down, that costs us money. We get appointments booked literally round the clock. It costs us money, so it has to always be working. Um, and then the second thing is is QA. You know, I, I hate going to websites and you click a link and it, it goes nowhere. It goes to a, a 404 page or it goes yep. to something that's clearly dead. You know, I occasionally will find things even on our own site that we just forgot to update. We moved a page and didn't do it the right way. But I think it's really important because it just it's very it's rank amateur to have a web page where you're creating this menu for people to flow through and it's broken. I was like, this is your whole, this is your perception yeah. is reality. This is yep. what you're saying about your brand. If we're quality beauty services, we better have a quality website. We better have a brand that looks and feels like what we're going to do for you. No, bang on. Yep, yep, definitely. That's your turn. Yeah, you get to walk off stage now. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big takeaway too for those who are listening on this podcast that don't have a, a, a website team or website professional or like in, you know, marketing professional, um, as well, you know, these, these services are like, like Todd's, you know, payroll can consume your, your job operating and finances can consume your entire role in your company. So you definitely want to turn to professionals for those things. Well, thank you, Todd and Mike for joining me on the podcast. Uh, hopefully this conversation about website presence will help both website owners and web pros in their relationship with each other as we encourage the growth of their businesses through their websites. Until next time, I'm Christina Romero with WP Care Market. Here's to your success.